ಅಖಂಡಂ ಸಚ್ಚಿದಂದಂ ಅವಾಂಗಮನಸಗೋಚರ ಆತ್ಮಖಿಲಾಧಾರಂ ಆಶ್ರಯೀಷ್ಟಸಿದ್ಧೈ so we have done up to text number 97 text number 97 we have done up to that quick big picture summary what have we got so far the teacher is teaching vedanta by the method of adhyaropa apavada which translates into superimposition and desuperimposition what's it like it's like uh, showing how from the rope a snake appears by mistake by error and so how a rope is mistaken as a snake and how uh, we correct this error we negate the snake to get the reality which is the rope so adhyaropa superimposition is mistaking the rope for a snake is the appearance of the snake in the rope by mistake and um, apavada negation or desuperimposition is recognizing that it is not a snake it is a rope now what's going on so far so far what we have is um one second so far what we have is the appearance of the snake so far we have the appearance of the snake and that means you may be thinking where is the snake we haven't come across a snake yet now the entire universe which we experience ultimate reality is brahman but that we are we and we do not see that we are ignorant of that we do not know that that is ignorance and in in the place of that we we mistake brahman for this universe now this universe what you might call creation what we might call the experienced universe here it has three stages or, or three levels causal subtle gross in sanskrit in sanskrit karana sukshma sthula so the universe has three levels karana sukshma sthula at the causal level remember all these are the snake these are not ultimately real ultimately the reality is existence and consciousness place brahman the non dual reality but the appearance has three levels causal subtle and gross at the, we have got uh, the causal um, level which is nothing other than maya at the cosmic level it is maya at the individual level ignorance uh, or uh, avidya or in the language of this book samashti agyana vyashti agyana total cosmic ignorance and individual level ignorance that's the causal level in the language of the five sheets panchakosha this causal level is the anandamaya kosha i'll repeat again in the language of the five sheets this causal level is the anandamaya kosha um the kar- karana sh- uh, sharira causal body or anandamaya kosha from that we saw the emergence of the five subtle elements from the causal level to the subtle level five subtle elements space air water um air fire water earth akasha vayu agni apa prithvi the five subtle elements emerged those are not the elements which we are acquainted with they are subtle forms of those elements and those five subtle elements known as the pancha tanmatra tanmatra literally means that alone so the name will become clear today why it is called that alone what else could it be space is that alone air is that alone what else could space be but we'll see today now out of these five subtle elements were constructed these subtle bodies 
What are subtle bodies? What we experience just right now. Thoughts, feelings, emotions, perceptions, ideas, memories, all of that is a subtle body. So these subtle bodies are um, sukshma sharira. In the language of the pancha kosha, language of the five sheets, by subtle body we mean three things. Vijnanamaya kosha, the, this, the, the sheath of the intellect. Manomaya kosha, the sheath of the mind. And the pranamaya kosha, the sheath of vitality. So three koshas are included in the subtle body. How many koshas in the causal body? One, anandamaya. So, so far we have got four koshas. We have got two bodies and four koshas. What is the first body? Causal body. What is the kosha there? Um, the anandamaya kosha. What is the second body? The second la layer of the body, which is the subtle body. What are the koshas there? Vijnanamaya, manomaya and pranamaya. If you want to make it into a further division, we saw 17 parts or 19 parts. I will not repeat them ad nauseum again and again. So 17 parts or 19 parts of the subtle body. And that is where we are now. At the individual level and at the cosmic level. In fact, the individual jiva, which we, we the way we experience ourselves, for the first time we find ourselves in the subtle body, something we can recognize. At the Vijnanamaya Kosha level, it was said, Vyavaharika jiva ityutchate. The transactional, the pragmatic, or the transactional, the, the relative level jiva, which is active, which thinks, which desires, which does actions, that one is recognized at the Vijnanamaya level. At the Anandamaya level, you can't recognize it. It's just blank. But when the intellect starts functioning, and then you feel, I, I am this, then you, we have the first emergence of ourselves as individual beings. Now, going ahead, what, what remains now? The gross body, the physical universe, at the cosmic level, the physical universe, at the individual level, our physical bodies. Where do they come from? They come from the five gross elements or five physical elements. What are these five physical elements or gross elements? We shall see. So 97, text number 97 was, Evam Sukshma Sharira Utpattihi. Thus do subtle bodies originate. Subtle body origination has been dealt with. Now 98, a new section starts. New section of what? It's all an appearance of the snake. If it seems complicated to you, remember it's all fictional. It's not, it's not the ultimate reality. The ultimate reality is Brahman. That way Advaita is very simple. No two realities, only Brahman. And that's the only reality. Everything else, whatever we see, whatever we are seeing in this, this um, uh, in our lives is the snake. You're mistaking the rope for the snake. And all this we are talking about are details of the snake. All is to be negated soon. All is to be, you know, the same process of tying the donkey and untying the donkey, that story. 98. But the gross elements are all compounded. Why but? The, the two, the word two means but. But means it, it shows the difference between the subtle elements and the gross elements. Now the gross elements are going to emerge. What are the gross elements? The actual, you know, the space we see, the fire we experience, the, the liquids we see, the body which, which we see, all of this, the physical universe which we inhabit, this is now going to emerge. It comes by a process of compounding. Actually, the technical word used here is panchi karanam, and you need to uh, notice this carefully here. It's a complicated topic. 
but it's not an important topic. Right now, I'll qualify what I just said. It's not important. Why? Because it's part of the snake. In that sense, it's not important. You don't, you don't need to bother too much about the details. That's one reason. The other reason is in this world of science, modern science and um, you know, physics and chemistry and all, uh, we have a very sophisticated understanding of the physical universe. So uh, remember, at the time when these books were written, and even before that, people took this model seriously. This is how they thought the physical universe, universe really was. And uh, now we know it's a, it's a pretty, it's a model. It's a way of looking at the universe, but um, modern physics and chemistry and all are so highly developed, so sophisticated. So you need not really um, think too much about this, uh, this, this process, but the process by which gross elements, the physical world emerges from the subtle world. This is uh, called Panchi Karanam, literally five making or uh, in better English, quintiplication, like multiplication, triplication, duplication, quintiplication, making five. Now it is complicated before I go into it, otherwise your head's going to spin. If I do not explain earlier <laughs> what is going to be said, it's fairly simple, but it looks complicated. Let me just share the screen with you. I've written it down. You need to see it written down. Otherwise it looks too complicated. So this is Panchi Karanam. Literally, it means making the five. Five what? The five gross elements, the five physical elements. Akasha, Vayu, etc. Space, um, fire, air, etc. What, what is involved in this? Five subtle elements are combined to make the five gross elements. So each of the gross elements is a co combination of all the five subtle elements. Let me repeat that. It's something to be noticed. According to this theory, and it's based upon the Upanishads also, according to this theory, what we see as the physical universe, what we, in a very naive, realistic way, we look at um, space and fire and water, and you know, water means liquids, fire means all kinds of radiation or whatever it is. All of those are mixtures of all the five subtle elements. So the space we have here, or the air we have here, is actually a mixture of not only the subtle air, but also the subtle space, subtle earth, subtle um, uh, fire, subtle uh, water, all of that, all five subtle elements are mixed in a certain proportion. So th that uh, is the complicating part of it. That's why I wanted to write it down. So let me repeat, the physical universe is made of five elements. These are called Pancha Mahabhuta. Pancha Bhuta or Pancha Mahabhuta, the five great elements. These five great elements are each of them combinations of five subtle elements. Uh, all, each of these five great elements, the physical elements, have five subtle elements within them. Let's see. So how does this work? In fact, Shankaracharya has a book called Panchikaranam, but it's not about Panchikaranam. The book is called Panchikaranam because it starts, the first word is Panchikaranam, uh, but it is about the Avasthatraya Vichara. It's a small introductory book, a Prakarana Grantha, like Aparokshanabhuti and all. Anyway, so what's going on here? Let's see. The, um, so take one element, the, the subtle space, Akasha. Divide it into two parts. Divide it into two parts. Half of it is subtle space, and the other half you divide into four equal parts. So each will become... One eighth, one eighth, one eighth, one eighth. 
let me repeat that consider this subtle space to be one unit and you divide it into two parts what will the two parts be half of subtle space and half of subtle space two two equal parts the second half of subtle space you divide further into four parts so the if you divide half into four parts each will become one eighth so you have um so this is subtle space now you have divided it similarly do it for a is for air vayu f is for fire agni uh, w is for water uh, or aap or jala and e is for earth or prithvi so each of them you divide into two parts and one of those two parts you divide further into four equal parts not you not me but it is brahma who does this the creator of the universe now here is the complicated part now we are going to make the physical universe we for this we need five physical elements the five physical elements are made out of the five subtle elements each of them so to make gross space or the space we are seeing as the sky and you know all around us you take half of subtle space and then you take 1/8 from each of those elements so you take 1/8 of uh, subtle air 1/8 of subtle fire 1/8 of subtle water and 1/8 of subtle earth what do you have see the total will become 1 half here and 1/8 of 1/8 will become again half so half and half makes 1 so you have gross space so what does gross space ultimately consist of it consists of half of subtle space and half of it is made of the four equal parts of the four other elements air fire water and earth if you repeat it again you will see uh, what's going on here you take how do you make air so air is made of half of subtle air here and then the other half is made of the five other subtle elements space and fire and water and earth so um, gross air or the air which we are breathing right now according to um the this this cosmology is comprised half of subtle air and the other half is one eighths of the other four elements space and fire and water and earth and then gross fire exactly like that you take half of subtle fire and then uh, one eighths of the other four elements all together becomes gross fire similarly for gross water similarly for gross earth so now you have the five uh, of physical elements each of these elements now has okay one more thing so if the gross space has space and air and fire and water and earth why are you calling it space at all is because most of it is space half of it is uh, subtle space similarly gross air half of it is subtle air the rest is a mixture of other subtle elements so we call it gross air similarly for fire half of it is subtle fire but the other half is a mixture of other elements um, so we call it gross fire now each of these elements now has special properties according to them space has the property of sound air has the property of sound and touch so you can air is something that you can hear when it moves you can um, hear the rustling you know the movement of the air uh, you, you can feel the touch if you uh, on your on your skin you can feel if there's a fan going or a breeze you can feel the uh, air fire is you can not only hear fire or touch it like it's hot but it also has form you can see it and water water is something that you can uh, hear and touch and you can see it and also taste it and earth 
uh, is something that one can, one has all the five uh, senses can operate on it. it. It has sound and touch and form and taste and even smell. So smell is the unique quality of uh, earth. Taste is the unique quality of water. Fire is uh, the form, see ability, the visual aspect, the unique quality of fire. Touch is the unique quality of air and sound is the unique quality of space. Um, was that too much? <laughs> now, when I read it out, you'll immediately see it makes, makes sense. Uh, it's just take the five subtle elements and mix them up in the proportions which, are just, which have just been made, which have just been uh, talked about. Okay. Somebody saying, no, no, somebody is desperate. What's going on? Stop. <laughs> it's just that we are going from causal to subtle to gross. How are you going from subtle to gross? By mixing up the subtle elements. What is the, oh, you meant it's good. You, you have got it. Okay, fine. I thought it was a cry of protest. Now, when we read text number 99, you will see why that background was necessary. And without, with that background, it's plain enough. Without that background, and your heads are going to get, going to, going to spin. So 99, let me read out what is said in 99. Panchikaranam tu akashadi panchasva ikaikam dvidha samam vibhajya teshu dashasubhageshu prathamikan panchabhagan pratyekam chaturdha samam vibhajya tesham chaturnam bhaganam swa swa this is the process. What is the process? The compounding takes place thus. Each of the five elements, namely ether, etc., is divided into two equal parts. Of the ten parts thus produced, five being the first half of each element, are each subdivided into four equal parts, then leaving one half of each element, so the other half is added one of the, these quarters, from each of the other four elements. What does that mean? It's exactly what we saw in the screen share, um, that you first take an element, divide it into two parts, keep, keep half of it, the other half you split into four parts. And then um, you mix, keep half of each element, and then bring in one of those four parts from the, all of the elements and add to this one. And so you get um, the compounded elements. That's it. Now, a little bit of complication. Again, remember, all this is the snake. It's not reality. It's not the rope. You're talking about the emergence of the snake, the appearance of the error, of the mistake. Um, so, she gives a quote in 100, text number 100. This is from Panchadashi. Taduktam... Dvidha vidhaya chaikaikam chaturdha prathamam puna swasvetara dvitiyangshait yojanat panchapanchate. You see, this is from this is from Panchadashi, first chapter, 27th verse. Thus it has been said, by dividing each element into two equal parts and subdividing the first half of each element into four equal parts and then adding to the other half of each element one subdivision of each of the remaining four, each element becomes five in one. That's the crucial phrase. 
the five Mahabhuta, the five great elements out of which the universe is constructed, uh, each is a mixture of all five, uh, with, with primarily half being uh, you know, the predominant. So in, in subtle space, half of, in, in gross, subtle, uh, gross space, um, half subtle space is there. In gross air, half subtle air is there. And the rest is a mixture. So, um, then 101. Problem, an issue is raised. It wouldn't occur to us, but those who are Vedic scholars immediately they'll raise an issue here. Asya pramanyam nashankaniyam trivit karana shrutehe panchikaranasya apyupalakshanatvat. The authoritativeness of this method of compounding should not be questioned for the triple combination described in the Shruti indirectly refers to this. What's the problem here? Objection. Go to Chandogya Upanishad. In the Chandogya Upanishad, chapter 6, section 3, text number 3, talks about the creation of the universe from three elements. This leads to complete chaos because we are talking about five elements here. But space and air are not mentioned there at all. In the Chandogya Upanishad, the universe has been created from fire and water and earth. What about space and what about air? Um, so what's going on here? The solution is given, twofold solution. One is the, it's like a technical fix. In, in IT language, they call a patch. Some kind of problem is there with the system, they will patch it up. So the patch applied here is that, in fact, uh, this text itself talks about it um, in the footnote. Uh, Vidvattama Acharya, great Vedantic teacher, remarks that as ether is all-pervading and without it nothing can exist, and as force, symbolized by air, is also at the root of all movement, and nothing can exist apart from it, therefore ether and air are to be taken for granted, along with fire, water, and earth, and the Shruti speaks of Trivit Karana, only as a more convenient mode of expression. Therefore, Shruti passages about Trivit Karana uh, indirectly refer to Panchi Karana. So if you see the solution, the solution is that notice the two elements which have been left out, space, left out where? In the Chandogya Upanishad. The Chandogya Upanishad talks about three elements and mixes three elements. So it is instead of five making, Panchi Karana, it is Trivit Karana, three making. So that immediately throws all this discussion into doubt. And the solution is the two elements which have been left out are the first two, the, the subtlest of them. Space. So space is the space which we experience. And air. Air is basically prana. Prana is energy. So space and energy, which in a certain way, it's a pretty sophisticated remark, observation to make. That the entire physical universe at the basis is nothing other than, you know, space, time, matter, energy. You reduce it into space and energy or akasha and prana. So these akasha and prana are all pervasive. They're taken for granted. It's always there. And the actual universe is made of the various combinations of the, the remaining three elements. You know, to our modern approach, actually somebody remarked that it's a pretty elegant model, actually. Um, yes, it's a very elegant model. How the properties of the gross elements are aligned with the five senses. Yes, that's the whole point of it. Notice this uh, model of creation is not from outside inwards. What's the kind of uh, scientific model of creation, the cosmology that we learn in school? There was a big bang and um, 
the like proto matter was created matter and energy and then that the first few tiny micro microseconds of the universe all other kinds of particles emerged and then from there over millions of years the universe expanded and then came the process of forming um, stars and then some of them were became planets and then over time um, on the planets where temperature and conditions were suitable um, and there was organic matter somehow life emerged uh, and then that life evolved through the process of uh, darwinian evolution and here we are so that's the story we have got and that's a scientific that's mainstream science today but notice that's outside in from the external universe into back to ourselves but this is inside out it starts with consciousness a brahman existence consciousness place and then it comes to our deep sleep state you know blankness then it comes to thought uh, and life and body now and external universe inside out why why this kind of an approach this is the remember the whole purpose of this the purpose of this is our enlightenment is us we sentient beings how do we get free of our sufferings that's the whole purpose of this thing this is an upaya a methodology you can call it an algorithm or a methodology it is um, um it is only secondarily meant to describe the universe it's not a primary you know, like the whole point being an objective description of the universe no so the description is basically it will be centered around you it will be centered around us that's why five senses five elements notice how the five elements are nothing other than the basis for our five kinds of experiences how do we experience the universe we see we touch we taste we smell uh, so so we hear these are the five things and um, so they make sound the sound means here vibration see when suddenly we we say things like sound means vibration um, air means energy aren't you trying to uh, you know like connect it with some more modern concepts um, no actually this is uh, it it just not does not mean simply the kind of space air you know like breeze blowing on my face that is air not just in that sense it goes back um, to a much more fundamental view of the universe space time energy matter these are the things actually which are being talked about in the form of these five elements um so yes um obviously it does not really always match with the way we think for example immediately any you know we studied sound in propagation of sound in school it needs an a medium air or even water something to some medium to for the sound waves to propagate and it can't happen just in, in a vacuum so space by itself how can space itself um, transmit um, a, a sound so uh, these are our our modern uh, doubts but they thought space is the medium for sound and actually up to the 19th century i think um, you know the idea of ether which was disproved by the michelson morley experiments i think late 19th early 20th century which shows that there is no ether in vacuum it is just vacuum so uh, you know light does not require a medium to propagate uh, in in a vacuum so these things were discovered recently but until that time the entire idea in the in both the east and the west 
in the Greek Roman civilization in the West and Chinese Indian civilizations in the East, the idea of a space was like a medium, like, um, um, you know, uh, ether. That's why in this book also it's always translated, Akasha is translated as ether. All right. So this is the cosmology. The second point I want to make here is, which is important, which is why Advaita Vedanta is actually compatible with science. If you insist there is ether and that ether vibrates and transmits sound, you, you're going to get into a direct confrontation with modern physics. But Advaita Vedanta does not do that. Advaita Vedanta regards all of this as part of superimposition and desuperimposition, a method to show us what the reality is. Um, it is not meant to be a description of the universe. The Advaita Acharyas tell us that whether five elements are com uh, compounded or three elements are compounded is not the point because we are not trying to give you an accurate description of the universe. We are trying to go start from the physical universe and we will show you step by step going back how you are Brahman, how you are pure consciousness. That's the point. So the whole point of the five elements is they are mapped to the five sense inputs, the sense experiences we have. Moment you have the five sense experience, okay, this is di directly, I can relate to my own experience because I know what is sound, I know what is form, I know what is taste and touch and smell. Uh, these are the constituents of my sense exp experience. So immediately from the physical universe, you come to our sense perception. From sense perception, you'll go back to our, our thoughts, from our thoughts to our understanding, from understanding back to the deep sleep state and from that to the witness of the deep sleep. So at every stage you can, you can see how the, it's a kind of a highway which is being designed, worked out so that we can trace our experience back to Brahman, our real nature. It's a methodology. It's a teaching methodology. Uh, and now I'm not trying to be cute here. They're trying to, you know, uh, say that uh, these people were uh, very postmodern about science and no, the, at that time when these books were written, they really believed that this was, this is how the universe is. But they took care to dissociate themselves from any particular worldview about the universe. See, modern physics, therefore, will have no direct conflict with Advaita Vedanta, or Advaita Vedanta will have no direct conflict with modern physics. If modern physics is telling us, this is how the universe has come, you know, the entire cosmology as far as we understand. What will Advaita Vedanta say? Fine, you're giving me a better way of explaining how the snake has originated, the nature of the snake. My point is, it's a snake. It's not the reality in itself. That's my point. So whatever your cosmology, plug it in. Be happy with it. You are explaining what, how the snake works. Very good. Isn't this true of all the other Indian philosophies? No. The realist philosophies, which consider the world to be real, the Nyaya or Vaisheshika or Sankhya, they will insist that this is how the world is. Um, and if you knock that out, then a good part of their cosmology, which they take to be real, will have to be dismissed as being primitive or not, uh, not no longer applicable. Anyway, enough said. I'll, I'll get to the comments soon. A little more, let me just go ahead. We have, we'll just see, we'll be able to see, we have already uh, done this in the introduction in the PowerPoint, which I mentioned, 102. 
पंचानाम पंचात्मक सामनेु इति न्यायेन आकाशादी व्यपदेश संभवती Though the five gross elements are alike in so far as each of them contains the five elements, yet they are differently named as ether, etc., owing to the preponderance of a particular element in them. Brahma Sutras two four twenty two. What's the point here? Why are you calling them space and fire and air and water? Because each of them contains everything. Each gross element contains all the subtle elements. Yes, that is true. He admits it. They are all panchanam of the five. panchatmakatve they are composed of five subtle elements samanya it it is true each of them is uniformly composed of all the five elements five each gross element is composed of five subtle elements but why do we name them separately one is fire space one is air one is fire because there is a rule vaisheshyatu tadvada tadvada which is unique and special to them that's how you should name them so uh, air gross air what is unique about it half of it is subtle air and the other half is a mixture of uh, equal amounts of other elements so since half of it is subtle air is a simple point half of it is subtle air let's call it air and let's call this space let's call that fire and so on the second point we wanted to make was that um, about the properties so 103 text number 103 is about the properties of each of these elements tadanim आकाशे शब्द अभिव्यज्यते उंड air manifests sound and touch fire manifests sound touch and form water manifests sound touch form and taste and earth manifests sound touch form taste and smell so this was again nothing very unique to advaita vedanta this is something commonly understood or accepted in uh, all the uh, philosophies including buddhists and jains they had some form of this also the hindu philosophies buddhist jains it was a common world view at that time these elements had certain properties and that's why we see things we hear things we smell taste touch things they have these properties that from that's that's where our sense inputs are coming for but that's why our senses are designed to see those things um, eyes so you will see later on how it's done so now we have five gross elements with those five gross elements what will we do we now immediately construct the universe but Uh, the hindu cosmology again all of this is just the hindu world view it is nothing special to advaita vedanta advaita vedanta couldn't care less you replace it with the buddhist world view you replace it with the modern co- physics cosmology all of it is going to be dismissed as the snake anyway so um pick your you know take your pick but what is the hindu world view that we have not only one universe so we'll proceed to make the gross universe but not only one universe there are actually 14 universes so there are 14 universes according to uh, the hindu cosmology and so we'll see those 14 universes we are sort of halfway in between seven of those universes are perfectly horrible they are called hells and seven of them are called heavens so we are in what might be called the lowest heaven or the 
best hell, let's say. So it's a kind of mixture. 104. Etebhya panchikritebhya bhutebhya bhur bhuvaswa maharjana tapa satyam ittetat namakanam upari upari vidyamananam atala vitala sutala rasatala talatala mahatala patala namakanam Adho adho vidyamananam lokanam brahmandasya tadantargata chaturvida sthula shariranam tadujitanam annapanadinam chautpattir bhavati. Translation, from these compounded elements have evolved the seven planes existing one above the other, bhur, bhuva, swar, mahar, jana, tapa, satyam, and the seven nether planes, one below the other, atala, vitala, sutala, rasatala, talatala, mahatala, uh, and Patala. So this universe or the world, the four kinds of gross bodies contained in it together with the food and drink appropriate to them. Done. What so many uh, cosmology books take years and years of graduate courses to understand how the universe is created. Here we are. This is the universe. We are inhabiting it. We are right now. I can tell you where we are. We are in Bhuloka, the first of these seven worlds, seven upper worlds. So these are uh, upper in the sense, they are subtler and subtler, and others are grosser and grosser. In some sense, more and more Rajasik and Sattvic, and some sense more and more Tamasic. So, Etebhya, Panchikritebhya, Bhutebhya, from, from these five compounded elements or the, or the gross elements, we have the worlds, 14 worlds. Bhu, the first, Bhuloka, what's that? This, where we are right now. By this, what do I mean? This entire universe, this world and the moon and the stars and all of that, this entire universe is Bhuloka, Bhuvar Loka. Um, there are finer worlds, more, more uh, subtle vibrations. Uh, Swar Loka, Maha, Jana, Tapa, Satyam. The highest, uh, the most subtlest, the best is called Satya Loka. Satya Loka is also known as Brahma Loka. And that is the heaven of religions. These are all heavens. Above our world, better than our world, is Bhuvaloka, Swarloka. These are all heavens. Um, Bhuvaloka is a heaven. Swarloka is a heaven. Mahaloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka. These are better and better heavens. All of, you know, more, better per capita income, better facilities, better medic medical insurance. All, everything is much better in these. And the best of them, the highest one is the Satya Loka, which is a very spiritual world. All of the rest are not particularly spiritual. People are just having a, a good time, uh, the partying there. But the highest one, uh, Tapa Loka, for example, is a spiritual world. And Satya Loka, Brahm, or also known as Brahma Loka in the Vedas, uh, it is a very spiritual place. Uh, in fact, the Upanishads say there are two places from which one can attain enlightenment. One is this one, where we are right now. And why can't you attain enlightenment from the heavens which are above us? I mean, more subtle or better than us? Because they are better. Things are so nice there, nobody wants to be spiritual. Things are, they're having a, they're having a blast. You know, there's a word, we're having a blast. So nobody wants to be spiritual. Uh, they are always drinking nectar and partying and all of that. They have no problems. So who wants to be spiritual? But 
Isn't it possible to get enlightenment from heaven itself? Yes. So there is a heaven. There is a higher world called Satya Loka from which one can get enlightenment. In fact, it is said that those who dwell there are very, very spiritual souls. Those who in this life have not succeeded in getting enlightenment and yet have come very close, they will not come back here to continue their sadhana as in the case of most of us. We have come back. We have been doing sadhana for earlier lives also. It's not the first time you're studying Vedanta Sara. We have come back again. A few are there who are spiritually very evolved. They don't come back here. But they are not enlightened also. They are not free, liberated. They go to this Satya Loka or Brahma Loka. This Satya Loka or Brahma Loka is where God dwells specially. God dwells everywhere, but here specially. This is where Vishnu or Narayana is. Or those the Shiva Bhaktas will see the same reality as Shiva in Shiva Loka. This is Shiva Loka, Kailasha. This is the, um, the Vaikuntha of Narayana. Or if you are even not even Narayana, you just want Krishna. So this is the Goloka of Krishna. Um, the heaven of the Christians, of the, the Jannat of the uh, Muslims, the uh, pure land of the Buddhists. So this is the finest and best possible world, the peak of creation, but very rarefied. And from there, one can get liberation. And there, if one reaches one remains in the presence of God. And uh, they say that at the end of the universe, when all these locusts will be um, absorbed back into Maya, they'll all disappear. The worlds will disappear, including Brahma Loka. Satya Loka also will disappear. Then what happens to those beings in Satya Loka? They, they become enlightened. At that point, they become enlightened. They realize I am Brahman and they remain as the infinite reality. What about the beings in all the other worlds at that point of dissolution of the universe? They'll be absorbed back into Maya, just like falling asleep, and they will awaken again in the next universe, which is created when the time is appropriate to have bodies and you know, evolution has done its work, physical bodies are available, you will be downloaded into those bodies to continue this game and attend more Vedanta classes. So that's the big story. Now, who decides who goes where? Our karma decides. We, are, we have a load of karma. Our, it's basically our credit uh, worthiness, which decides which loka you are admitted into. So a mixture, good and bad, bhuloka here. And this is the best of worlds in the, in the sense that we can be spiritual here. Though there is a lot of suffering, but that suffering is uh, good for spiritual in, uh, query. The higher lokas are difficult, except Brahma loka. And the lower locusts are again difficult because of too much suffering. If you are harassed and tortured and, and life is miserable, and then there is very little chance of uh, interest in spirituality. So the lower locusts are what are called hell. You know, it's not true to say that in Hinduism we don't have hell. We have many, many hells. Seven hells here actually. So all uh, very uh, colorfully named. So you have... Um, Atala, Vitala, Sutala, Rasatala, Talatala, Mahatala, and the last one is Patala. We, are, we know these uh, names. Even from childhood, we have heard Patala. Patala is the lowest world of all. <laughs> there was this game. Sri Ramakrishna used to make the boys who came, they would play that game. It's called Golakdham. So it's like a, like a board game. You know, you toss the dice and then some number comes up and your piece moves from one, one spot to another spot. But the whole thing, I have seen it. I have seen one of the old boards. They don't make it anymore. I suppose some gaming company could make a virtual 
uh, <laughs> form of that. So all those squares are different worlds. There is this earth and, and on the earth, there are good places and bad places. There is Banaras and there is uh, Brindavan. These are the good places you can go to on earth. And then after death, you go to one of these 14 worlds. And the depictions are very interesting, especially the lower worlds. Here, there's a huge cauldron, like a, big, a huge you know, vessel in which those who have gone there, uh, they are being fried. There are little demons and imps who are boiling them again and again. And, uh, um, and you can't die because you're already dead. So you can't die anymore. Everyone one just suffers and suffers until one's bad karma is exhausted. Or you play the dice and you get, you get to move to another world. Um, and one can that way go up to the higher worlds. The high, in that game, the highest world was not called Brahma Loka. It was called Goloka, where Krishna dwells. So it was a very Vaishnava game. And uh, there are very funny stories of that you see in the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. The young disciples are playing and they are having a great time playing that game. I think Adbhutanandaji, Latu Maharaj, if I remember correctly, with one roll of the dice, he had got such a good combination. He went straight to a goal of, he got freedom, moksha. And uh, uh, the great skeptic, I think Hajra, who was playing, he went straight to hell. So, and in the, in the game itself, in the, <laughs> actually it's narrated, but it is so meaningful. And Sri Ramakrishna was sitting there and, and, and chuckling. So the servant of the Lord goes to the highest heaven. And the skeptic, Vinashakari, Viparita Buddhi, Samshaya Rakshasha, the, the demon of doubt. So those who have no faith in God, they go straight to hell. <laughs> so things like that. What else is, do we get from this text? Um, so Brahmanda. Brahmanda means the total universe. Total universe has 14 levels of existence. And Chaturvida, the four kinds of living beings. So you can see a very animic kind of biology here. Uh, we learned such a detailed biology, you know, species and genera and so many. Uh, we used to memorize those Latin names. And here there are only four kinds of living beings. And they're an appropriate food and drink for them. And this is the universe. What are the four kinds of living beings? Just a little more I'll read and then. Chaturvidha sharirani tu. Jara, Yuja, Andaja, Svedaja, Udbhija, Akhyani. The four kinds of gross bodies are those that are born of the womb, the egg, moisture, and the soil. So four kinds of living bodies. What are they? 106. Jara, Yujani, Jara, Yubhya, Jatani, Manushya, Pashwadini. Those who are born of the womb are human beings, animals, etc. Number 107. Andajani, Pakshi Pannagani, Pannagadini, those that come out of the egg are birds, reptiles, etc. Then 108. Swedajani, Swedebhya Jatani, Yuka Mashakadini, those that are born of moisture are the lice, mosquitoes, etc. Obviously, they're not born of moisture, but they noticed that these things come out of very moist places, like where there's water accumulates and all. So they thought that they're born of that moisture. Of course, there are tiny eggs in that, those humid places. And then Udbhijani, Bhumi Mudbhidya Jatani, Lata Vrikshadini, those that spring from the soil are the trees, creepers, etc. Again, they are of course born of seeds, but they, they come from the soil. They pierce through the soil and they come up. So four kinds of creatures are mentioned. 
generally the higher animals, including human beings, our bodies, gross bodies are produced uh, from the womb, it says. And then there are lower kinds of animals uh, or birds, reptiles, they come from eggs. And um, there are tiny creatures which are born, we know from eggs, of course, but they are born in humid places, insects, basically. And then there are um, plants and trees and shrubs and all of that. Not bad, actually. Pretty nice um, classification of living bodies. Uh, higher animals, lower animals and birds, uh, and including reptiles, and uh, then insects, and, uh, uh, and plants, trees, creepers, and so on. Again, remember, you might say that this is so, so sketchy. It is true. And, and external universe and the you know, biology and the physics of it is pretty sketchy. The reason is, this is not what really interested them. The point was, one, once we have got, notice what a great detailed description of the subtle body, intellect and memory and ego and the functions of each one, a mind, the five pranas or the 10 pranas which we saw. So very detailed description of the subtle body, very accurate description of what lies beyond the subtle body. As you go closer or deeper towards the self or Atman, the descriptions become very precise and very accurate. As you come out towards the physical universe, you know, more the details about the snake, you're not particularly interested. They draw sort of a, a sketch. This also shows that they are not really out to give a detailed explanation of the external universe. It's just a kind of pen sketch, like a cartoon almost. Then, all right. We'll stop here. He's going to make another point that even at the physical level, there is oneness. Let's look at the discussions going on. Rama is saying that, can you explain the difference between subtle fire versus gross fire, for example? Yes, this is what we just saw in composition, uh, subtle fire and gross fire. And gross fire is all forms of radiance, including our fire, which we see outside. Um, and subtle fire is not something that you would actually experience uh, physically. It's a very elegant model. Five gross elements are aligned with the five senses, yes. And again, a very uh, human-centered model or a sadhaka-centered model. It describes us or our experience. How can space have the quality of sound? Correct, we discussed that. This is, they thought that there was a medium which they used to call the ether. And um, we now know that's not true. Prabir Basu says, how does this fit into Mandukya theory, which says all creation is from Omkara? Yeah, so that's a much more fundamental, much, much deeper kind of analysis. Uh, we'll see later. Remember, Mandukya, we did Mandukya first. That's the end of the road. And this is the beginning of the road. <laughs> this is the introductory text. Mandukya is the highest and final thing. Abhijit says empty space is an idea, it doesn't exist. So when you talk about space, there has to be a medium associated with it. Now you can debate that. What is the nature of Akasha? Um, yeah, you're right. Even modern physics, as far as I understand, it, it does not say that space stands by itself. Space stands only in relation to, I think, uh, uh, matter and energy. Praveen Vasu says, all of this started from Maya, the components which are Sattva, Rajas and Tamas, Correct. You see, what? look at the um, picture that has been painted. Here you have this vast universe. Let it be 14 worlds or whatever it is. 
what is it really all of this is nothing other than the five gross elements including our bodies and the bodies of all other beings best of people worst of people um, terrible animals cute animals tiny insects and big whales all of that stars and planets uh, all of that is nothing other than five gross elements and the five gross elements are nothing other than the five subtle elements they're just mixtures of the five subtle elements so our all our all life are the five subtle elements all mind and thought and um, you know intellect and memory all of that which we can consider to be consciousness not at all consciousness it's matter that's why if um, um neuroscience persists in treating mind as some kind of matter vedanta does not have any um, in principle opposition to it it just vedanta will say it is made of subtle matter sukshma um, sanmatra and that's a kind of matter we have not yet discovered in in physics we can't map it properly yet um five subtle elements from which has emerged not only our minds our our individual uh, personalities but also the ultimately the five gross elements physical body and external universe those five subtle elements what are they they are nothing but ultimately maya from maya appeared space and from space air uh, fire water etc so they are basically nothing other than maya how do you understand how can five elements be maya it's like saying um in dreams the whole dream world is constituted of five elements but in dreams what's what's true true the five elements in the dream world fire earth water space they're nothing other than the dreamer's mind what is what are they made of they're not made of nothing other than the dreamer's mind in dreams similarly um here also the five elements are nothing other than maya uh but maya itself does not exist maya is nothing other than the power of ishwara uh, which is sachidananda plus maya but ishwara itself is nothing other than existence consciousness bliss the rest is an appearance in ishwara there's there's no other separate existence of that so this is how you go step by step by step back at several steps you go back straight to the absolute reality which is the only reality still right now here the rest is an appearance like the snake so shravani says those other words do these suggest life outside earth shinasa is still searching for are those words beyond our five senses yes so these other words are not physical stars and planets it's not like star trek or star wars or nasa searching you know the seti the search for extraterrestrial intelligence and they were not talking about it like that there's a curious um conversation between the holy mother and one of the disciples who asks the holy mother so there are other words mother do you know that there are other worlds besides our own there are other planets so do you think there are people on those planets and life and she said i don't know the exact source but it seems she said that whatever is there is here whatever exists is here itself and that's cryptic what does here mean here does it mean little village jairambati does it mean uh, this earth or does it mean here the physical universe what does it mean it can also be very profound here might mean brahman whatever is there is brahman only <laughs> the only real here is brahman one point i just want to add here an observation um a couple of years ago 
I was in Columbia University having a conversation with, you will never guess who, Gayatri Spivak, Professor Gayatri Spivak. And uh, she is, on the surface of it, she doesn't seem to be any friend of spirituality or religion or anything like that. Um, uh, in fact, for example, I asked her, so what do you think of me being a monk and the whole idea of monasticism? And she said, it's licensed lunacy. <laughs> That's a very Spivak kind of statement, licensed lunacy uh, or licensed insanity or something. Um, now, she herself said, made a point. What is the objection of the modern worldview, scientific worldview, or even the postmodern worldview to religion and spirituality? One point, only one point. She said, look, whatever is has to be here. She didn't explain, but what she meant was, I don't know, your God, heaven, hell, whatever you talk about in religion, if it's not here, it's not real. By here, of course, they don't, they mean, they don't mean Brahman, they mean this world, here, this life, this world, that's it. You can't talk about something beyond this. What proof is there? So that's her objection. And she herself said, now consider, she herself brought up, she has read Holy Mother's teachings very well. She said, now imagine, um, Ma Sharada said, whatever is my child is here. And then these are her words, Gayatri Spivak's words. I can still see them. She said in Bengali, I'll translate. Ki kotha hai, ja ache ekhani ache. Whatever is here is here. What a statement, what an observation. So she's supporting Holy Mother's position. Now, she didn't explain. You have, there's a lot that you have to catch in, in Spivak. And she, she is very difficult. And I think she delights in being difficult. Uh, one, there's an interview with her by, a, I think, somebody, a British reporter who said, I basically understood one word in five in what she was saying. Um, anyway, now, I didn't, the rest of it is what I'm saying. I didn't say this to her. Notice, Advaita Vedanta would fully agree. Yes, whatever is, is here. But what is here? Whatever is, is human. Fine, but what is human? Advaita starts with that. Starts with the body, starts with the mind, and investigates deeper. At no point does Advaita go anywhere else. There is no there in Advaita. It's all here. But in a much deeper sense, more thoroughgoing sense, than your most hardcore uh, atheist scientist also. All right, so I'll, uh, I think if the point has been taken, I just leave it there. Now, for an enlightened person, are these locusts still there? If you know gold, is the necklace still there? If you know that it is water, is the wave still there? Yes and no, what is there is there. But you recognize its reality. The worlds will still continue exactly as they are. Then higher words, Suva, Maha, Satyam invoked exactly while performing rituals in Hindu Nitya Karmas. It makes sense that the cosmology and rituals in the Karma Kandas are uniform. Yes, absolutely. And these the Hindu rituals, the, the purpose of them is to attain to these higher words after death. So I want to enjoy this life. My aim is Dharma Artha Kama. Um, artha and Kama, pleasure and success in this world. 
and meritorious action which will ensure a place in a higher world. So it's obviously those higher worlds are mentioned in those rituals. If you want to put a stop to all of that, you say that all that's nonsense, I want the reality as it is, then come to Jnanakanda, Upanishads, come to Vedanta Sar. In Ayurveda, digestive fire, Agni, I think would be an example of subtle fire. Correct, because it's a part of um, the prana. It is a part of the subtle body. Where do Asuras, Devas, etc. belong to which Lokas? I guess to the heavens and to the hells, various heavens, various kinds of... Taittiriya Upanishads mentioned which Loka, who dwells where, and how much happiness are they allowed, the quota of happiness. And their happiness is far, far greater than ours. And that is uh, sense happiness and pleasure. Sangeeta says, oh, he, uh, she has given an explanation. Agni has been divided in 13 types. So there's so much discussion of that in Ayurveda. Aren't these parallel worlds not visible to, they are not visible to the human as you're right. Swami Vivekananda also says, right here are other worlds, here itself, but they are different planes of vibration. It's curious though, I mean, though it's nothing to do with what we are talking about, but when I was reading um, this um, elegant universe, who's the gentleman from Brian Green. So he says the other universes, according to string theory, are right here, but they're curled up into extremely tiny dimensions, which we don't experience, but they're all right here. Uh, Swamiji, this thing about, you know, everything is here. Could it also be because things exist only because I experience them. So in that sense, everything is here because I am experiencing even the thought of the other worlds, <clears throat> excuse me, even the thought of the other worlds, it's in my mind, it's being experienced by my mind and therefore it is here. Could that yeah. also be an explanation? True, true, absolutely. Why not? That's an idealistic explanation. <clears throat> what do you mean by idealistic? Idealistic means the uh, reality depends upon a mind. Okay. It's mind depends. When you say that I, they are there, the first sentence which you said, they are there because I experience them. Right. But Already you have, what, you have, uh, yes. Uh, isn't that, <clears throat> excuse me, isn't that what also Advaita says? That No, Advaita says that they are not there, whether you experience <laughs> yeah, them or no, not, <laughs> only the experiencer is there. Right, right. But uh, I mean, we feel, I mean, we experience things because, or rather our understanding is because we experience things, we think it is. That's an interesting way of putting it. Because we experience things, we think it is. I, I um, agree. It is. It comes from a place of ignorance. But yeah, you're right. You're right, because we experience things. But then the question is, what about, how would you define experience? Uh, five sense experience only, but because we think about many things existing, even if we don't experience them with our five senses. We read about it in our physics books, uh, you know, and uh, we conceive of it through science or religion. We read about heaven and hell through religion and we think it exists. So did we experience heaven and hell? We didn't. We are just convinced by reading a book or believing in a book and we think it exists. Advaita Vedanta says, we think things exist, not because we experience them, not because we believe in them. Really, we think things exist because we exist. It's because you are existence itself. That's what Advaita Vedanta says. You are existence. And because of you, 
things seem to exist. There's a comment. Yes. There's a story about Sri Ramakrishna. A, there's a ghost which told him to leave the place immediately because his brightness was, was hurting the ghost. There's such things up there. What is a ghost then? In this paradigm which we have studied, um, it's the subtle body. When the physical body is dead, it's a subtle body. Um, we shouldn't end on a on the note of ghosts. Let's end on, on a positive note. So this is a uh, somebody raised a, a, a hand. Uh, Srinivas Raju, yes. Tell us something nice, not ghosts. Yeah, Pranam Swamiji. Namaste. I just wanted to know about Iswara. Since there is no Ajnana for him, hmm. he knows his Swarupa from the very beginning. I mean, he knows his Swarupa is Brahman. Yes. So why you use the word Ajnana for him? Because he knows himself as Brahman. Yeah, and we don't use Maya, the word Ajnana. The definition of Ishwara in this book is uh, Samashti Ajnana Upahita Chaitanya. So, um, consciousness limited by or associated um, um, by um, uh, associated with um, My. totality of ignorance. But we discussed this topic earlier. Do you remember? The totality yes. of ignorance, it's, it sounds awful. That I, it's not like saying that I have a little bit of ignorance and Ishwara has totality Actually, of ignorance. It's like I'm a little yeah. fool and God is the biggest fool of all. No, so. not in that yeah. sense. Remember Sri Ramakrishna's story about a little bit of venom of the snake can uh, knock out a frog or a mouse, but the entire venom is in the mouth and the glands of the snake. And it does not do anything to the snake. Not only that, it is the power of the snake. So the power of the cobra is the, is the poison or the venom it has. The power of Ishwara is this entirety of Maya. It does not affect Ishwara at all. So Ishwara is defined as Maya Dhisha, the Lord of Maya. But we are all Maya Dhina. We are under the domain of Maya. Maya. Yes. And, and one more thing for an enlightened person, since ignorance is not there, so there's no causal body for him. So in his case, the deep sleep is like a Samadhi. Could you please elaborate on this? Yes. Like a Samadhi. Does he have deep sleep? Yes. Is it like ours? No. Now, um, Hari Maharaj, Swami Turiyanandaji was once asked about this. Do you sleep at all? He says, yes. Like us? No, not like you. That's all. <laughs> now, how do you make sense of that? Yeah. Swami Brahmananda says, enlightened people do not need deep sleep like the rest of, uh, rest of you. A uh, little bit, a few minutes of samadhi is equi equivalent to, in the kind of rest the biological system gets in samadhi, is equivalent to several hours of deep sleep. So causal body goes when Brahmagana is attained, but subtle body goes after death. No, remember, the causal body which is made of, um, uh, uh, also it is, a, it, is, it is a part of Maya. So it's not destroyed. One explanation is, as long as your prarabdha karma is there, Causal body will be there, subtle body will be there, gross body will be there in at the vavaharika level, transactional level, that level. Of course, ultimately it is all Brahman, but the level of appearance, even for the Jivan Mukta, there will still be a causal body. But then what is the difference? What is the use of uh, having knowledge? The use is this. Remember, the causal body had two functions. We have read all this. See, see how useful this book is now at, in answering questions. We read that that Maya has two functions, um, the Avarana Shakti and Vikshepa Shakti. So Avarana Shakti means 
the veiling power. Vikshepa Shakti means projecting power. What happens after enlightenment is the Avarana Shakti is gone. Maya cannot delude you anymore. Maya is still functioning, but it cannot delude you anymore. You know Brahman. You know the reality is still there. And the Vikshepa Shakti continues to function. The world is still projected. Physical body is still projected. Subtle body is still projected. You still have a mind. You have still have a physical body and a mind. And then you also have a, um, a causal body. When the enlightened being attains Samadhi once in a while, and that's Samadhista state, the mind is withdrawn into the causal state, Pijavastha. But, so the projecting power continues. How is it different for the enlightened being and for us? We see the projecting power and this is as real. Here it is. This is, you know, rope appears as, here's a real snake. Here is a real world, real body, real mind. For the enlightened person, all these are names and forms. The enlightened person sees all the names and forms, but knows that this is nothing other than Brahman. There's only one Satchidananda, which I am. And it is appearing in all these forms. These are temporary manifestations. And they come and go. So these are names and forms which appear, play around and disappear. They are not real. They are like illusions. They are like dreams. They are like, um, uh, you know, like a magic show. Often a magic uh, example is used, Mayavi. Um, and the reality remains as Brahman. But that person can, enlightened being can function very well with us. The way we see people and objects and activities, that person also sees those people and objects and activities. And so they can understand and understand what we say. They can understand it better, much better than us. Thank you, Swami. There's a comment Rick also says, Anuradha says, Kripa. So, Oh, Kripa, the dhatu in, in, a, in a verbal sense. Kripa means grace. So, Kri and Swami Vishuddhanandaji explained it as Kri and Pa. Kri means to do, and Pa means to get. So, that was a nice new explanation. Somebody said, Have grace on me. That means I won't do anything. You give me enlightenment or you make me spiritual. So, the word is Kripa, grace. And Swami Vishuddhanandaji was the president of the Ramakrishna order in the 1950s, 60s. Uh, he said, um, can't, don't you see what the word is? Split it up into two parts, kri and pa. Kri means to do and pa means to get. First you do, then you will get. Then Rick says, even if the enlightened person sleeps for hours, pure consciousness may be maintained. I sleep though my heart waketh. Correct. Not only maintained, it, it never goes away. Pure consciousness is there for all of us. But the enlightened person knows that. So the, so the enlightened person will always say, I am the fourth. I mean, or at least that person knows that I am the fourth. But whereas in ignorance, we think I am the waker. I am the dreamer. I am the deep sleeper. And again, I am the waker. The enlightened person knows all these states come and go. I am the one uh, consciousness, the Turiya, the fourth. Oh, that's a very good point to end on. <laughs> on Turiya. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupa Namastu